we've got the podcast started and we have the whatever this is called facebook live started and yeah there we go very good so good morning to everybody um before we dive in uh we've already had our prayer request i will go ahead and pray for us um and then we can uh dig into um a topic that i think the relatively light topic it's not particularly theological or deep theologically speaking but um hopefully we'll have a good discussion around it Uh, let's pray god we we want to take a deep breath focus on you and uh, try to block out a lot of noise uh, in the world it's in our brains and um just a lot of things for us to think about and to uh um Things that can cause us to worry or be concerned uh, or kind of take up uh, a large chunk of our kind of mental capacity trying to absorb everything going on in the world. Um, we want to ask that you will be with Crystal in the passing of her mom and help her to um, be able to find some peace. Um, hopefully she can uh, lean on you to find peace in you. And God, uh, as Amy said, she was thankful she didn't get hurt this week. And uh, God, I think we're all, a lot of us are thankful for a lot of things, and we appreciate um, the safety uh, and the comfort that you give to us. And uh, we ask that you'll help us to not forget uh, that you're the source of so much good for us. Um, and this, this morning, God, as we talk, help us to be focused on you. Help us to um, be closer to you when we leave today than when we came in, and help us to be um, your light in a world around us for so many people that uh, don't have the, the joys that we have by being close to you and help us to share that with them. It's through Christ we pray. Amen. All right. So um, I'm not doing the lectionary. So uh, we've kind of been hit and miss on that for a while. Um, and I'm now seeing that I've got to adjust this because it would be nice if those people could see a little bit of what's going on on the screen. Scooch up here, turn this around and down. Okay, people on the screen. Oh, you know what? And, and you're looking at it and it's backwards on your screen. And you know what? I'm going to make no attempt to fix that. Read backwards. Okay. All right. Um, I think that's actually working though. Good. Just a little bit lower. Okay, we'll call that good. Okay. Um, so the title of today's talk today is Hidden Intent, Hidden in a Tent, Hidden Intent, <laughs> not Hidden in a Tent, um, Hidden Intent, uh, Ecclesiastes, COVID-19, the election, and 1 Corinthians, dot, 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 and Jesus. Now, this is what's in my brain, okay? I've just, I've just done a little dump for you of what I've been thinking about. Um, Jill and I, and this topic, by the way, uh, this hidden intent topic, and we'll get more into it in just a minute, what I mean by all this. Um, it's the kind of thing that this is just, I would call, generic Christian theology. It's the type of thing that you can take almost any portion of the Bible and you can find something to talk about relative to what, where I'm going today with hidden intent. And you don't know where I'm going yet, so just work with me here. Um, but Jill and I were reading this morning. Uh, we started reading Corinthians just today. 
And we were, um, and, and Paul was writing about division that he saw in Corinth. Um, and so we were discussing this idea of, the, of there being challenges, people that are supposedly following Christ in Corinth, but actually Paul said, no, you're not really following Christ. Some of you were following what were the three? I guess some people were following Paul. Some people were following, I think, maybe Peter. Some people were following um, some other name. What was that? Apollos. Apollos. Apollos, yes. Um, and Paul says, hey, you're not supposed to be following any of them. You're supposed to be following Christ kind of thing. So we saw this kind of division. I opened up the paper this morning, and I saw an article about the Nasty Woman Facebook group. Anybody read that this morning? Um, yeah, okay, all right. Of course. And, uh, and, and it just struck me interesting how I was reading that article, and it's, it, I thought it was a very interesting article, and I'm happy for them, but I also thought it was, it was funny because in the article they were speaking about how they wanted to create discussion and talk, but they definitely only wanted people that did not like Donald Trump. That was kind of the gist of this one part of it. And I thought, well, that's kind of interesting. So, I mean, I, I, I get it, and I know where they're going with it, but I thought it, it was funny to see an article that was trying to promote unity, but was pretty clearly, clearly stating that they also wanted to create some division. You know, and you might say it's division between good and evil and things like that. It can get complicated, but anyways, I thought it was interesting. Um, so we, I wrote here, we don't all agree about all things um, around the coronavirus or around politics or even around all of our beliefs in Jesus. But I hope today that we'll leave committed to making Jesus happy regardless of ourselves. I'll say it again. I hope we'll leave today committed to making Jesus happy regardless of ourselves. And I want to challenge you guys to think about that and you people on FB Live there to think about can we do that? Um, I want you to think about something that's core, kind of core to you. Core. I, I, I wrote core to your belief system, but actually maybe a better way to say it is just core to you. Something that's like almost part of you. And how would you react if you found out that you're somehow wrong? Okay? And that you need to embrace a completely different concept in order to be an appropriate Christ follower. How are you going to react to that? Um, so the idea might be that you need to start or stop one of the following. So I made a list here for you to just think about a little bit. Start or stop spending time with a difficult person. Okay, obviously that's, for most of us, that would be a start. Um, could be a scenario where you are forcing yourself to be with a difficult person and you really need to get away from them. So it could be a stop as well. Um, oh, man, I wish Haley was here. You need to start or stop eating animals or animal products. How about that? You need to start or stop attending the living room. And so on each of these, I want you to think about where do you land and what if you found out that to be as close to Christ as you can be, you need to do the opposite of that. How does that make you feel? Where, where does that take you, okay? What about alcohol and drinking? What about maybe sometimes you drink a little too much? Maybe you should stop that. Maybe you should start that. I don't know. What about me and Diet Coke? Maybe I should stop that. 
Maybe I should have more. What about your time spent on the internet? What about your kind of secretive, um, intimate lifestyle? So what about things such as your sexual lifestyle, those types of things? Is that something that needs to stop, start? What about the differences between our actions and our thoughts? Maybe you're uh, someone who's married and committed to your spouse, um, but um, quietly in your brain, there's other stuff going on there that you need to work on. What about your words? What about the types of things you say? What if you need to start or stop those? And this starts getting into this hidden intent and us starting to think about what, what is rooted deep in our kind of psychologies, deep in our actions, where there are things that we may be trying to kind of get done or hoping happens in our life or hoping happens to someone else and whether or not that hidden intent is truly something that Christ would embrace, okay? You guys with me so far? Hope so. All right, so how many of you have heard, I'm, I'm, I'm sure I'm not gonna pronounce this right, but I'm gonna say schadenfreude. Have I heard that word before? That sounds right. Schadenfreude? <laughs> so it's, <laughs> so it's a German word. The schaden means damage, the freud means joy, but it's a word that goes back a long, long time. That means you are deriving joy from someone else's problems, issues, challenges, okay? So basically, you're happy when something bad happens to someone else, okay? All right? You guys ever struggled with that? Yeah. yeah. Just think of somebody you don't like, and you can schadenfreude them in a heartbeat, <laughs> right? Um, I want to show you this plot because this is really quite interesting. So this is a, as it says on top there, this is a worldwide Google search trends, or the German term schadenfreude. I'm one of those. Now, I think the, the y-axis is millions or billions or something, but I am at least one of those because I had to look this up myself. Um, but you can look there over the years, and what you notice is that every so often there's little blips. So something happens. And, and in general, what happens is that um, in Germany, especially, this is a very common term. And so something will happen in the world where a certain person has something bad happen to them, and a whole bunch of people are sort of happy about that. And people start saying, Schadenfreude, you know, because they're like, conflicted because they're happy that something bad happened to somebody. And you can see that in the history, in the last five years amongst Google, um, that term has had a few different hits there until uh, our president got COVID-19 and that thing just went off the charts, particularly in Germany. Um, and so you, it, that doesn't necessarily mean that everybody was happy that he had COVID-19, but it meant people were thinking about this, this struggle of uh, being happy when something bad happens to someone. So if you like to be happy when uh, something bad happens to somebody you don't like, then you should uh, put this term in your hip pocket uh, to use occasionally. I don't recommend that. So. All right, any comments, thoughts? We're good? All right, so I want to get us into some everyday examples. And um, we need to think about uh, how should we really respond? So the Patriots lose the Super Bowl, regardless of who they play. 
Now that is for me. That's that's a very special thing, and uh, and no matter how bad Belichick might feel that day, um, I'm pretty happy at him feeling bad. Um, but you know, it, it, we're joking about and it's sports and that's all. The, but when we think it, it's actually not a very good thing, you know. I don't care what it is, you know. Somebody's. Uh, um, uh, somebody cooks a meal and it goes bad, but we don't like them, so we're happy. You know, it's something just almost trivial like that. Um, you know, it, it it's a part of us that I don't think it's all that good. You know, I, I don't think, I don't see Jesus uh, running up to Belichick after they lose and going, in your face, you know, kind of a thing. I just don't see it happening. You know, I, I don't think that's the way we're supposed to work. Um, almost winning any argument. How many of you love to win an argument? I know Kim loves no! that. <laughs> I mean, I raised my hand, but still. <laughs> you got called out. I know, it's different when someone else calls you out. Now she's really mad at me. You raised your hand before I no, said I'm, that. No, so I'm not you, mad. You gave me the green light. It's the truth. So. It's speaking the truth. Um, I'm sure that Amy wrong twice today oh, is like... Oh. There was another thing she wanted to argue about. It's like, no. you know, I've already got two up on you. <laughs> no. so, so how many of you have had a pretty deep argument and you actually win? I feel like it happens all the time to me. <laughs> um, I guess what do you what do you define by winning? Like how do you oh, know how so, do you know you've won? So this could be something simple like um, yes, all of you does too sell blah 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 chips. No, they don't. Yeah, they do. We didn't buy those at all. We bought those at Walmart. And and then all of a sudden, Quinn was right. We bought them at Walmart. So, so a very trivial argument like that. The funny thing about it is, for me, when I do win, I don't feel very good at all. It's not. It's weird how much I want to win, and then when I win, how I feel kind of cruddy. Like, I wished I had just kind of let that one go, like it wasn't that big a deal. Do you guys know what I'm talking about? So when you, what do you mean by win? You, you caught my attention there a little bit, so. Well, I'm thinking of two recent examples where I don't really think that it was an argument, but it was more of a discussion, but it was more heated than where chips were sold. Mm -hmm. And so there wasn't a very clear victor, mm -hmm. I guess. So I don't know. But both conversations, I left feeling that way, like not upset that I didn't win, but just upset, I don't know, just feeling weird. Yeah. It, it's a strange thing when we slip away from wanting something to happen because it's the good for everybody and versus wanting this something to happen because we just want to win or we just want to be right. And if I'm being very honest, it's the latter that I normally am after. Like, Jill and I will get to talking about something, and boy, I'll just decide I know the answer. And, I, and, and it goes from, I'm not helping Jill anymore. I'm, I'm in a battle, and I'm going to win this battle. And somehow or another think that I'm going to somehow or another, I don't know, I don't know what my head thinks is actually going to happen as a result of that. So um, another one here is, oh, I said winning almost anything, of course. Um, but now I want to go on to more more serious historical examples where this idea of being happy when someone else um, has something bad happen to them um, happens. So 
um, Osama bin Laden's death. I struggled with that because there was so much euphoria on TV and I had to admit that I didn't just understand it. I mean, I was part of it. I, I you know, you, 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 there was something about that that made you feel good, but there was something about it that made me look up at Christ and be like, I'm not sure we're supposed to be happy about this. Now, we may say we think it was an okay thing to do, but I don't think we're supposed to be happy about it. And yet, if you watch the news, I would say even both conservative and liberal, it didn't really matter. Any of the news that was out that day um, was pretty upbeat. <laughs> but, and not just upbeat like, you know, this needed to happen. It was upbeat like, yes! You know, our military won kind of a thing. Um, I think the atomic bomb, you know, it was before I was born, but I think that there were massive, and there continues to be massive struggles around, you know, the decision to do that and what happened as a result of that. And yes, it was a component of, of ending World War II, um, but uh, a lot of people were very, very happy that, that, that those two bombs were dropped. Um, and, and yet, how can you be happy about what happened with that? Um, bitter election outcomes, you know, pretty much every four years we have somebody who's bitter about the election outcome and somebody who's happy that they're bitter about the election outcome. Um, and, you know, it's, it's a strange thing. It's a strange thing. Um, this is one I struggle with because this happened uh, recently. It's happened several times a year, but having something like an annoying colleague get fired, that they're bugging you, kind of don't think they're the best employee, and then all of a sudden one day, sure enough, they're released and they're gone. And then you're sitting there thinking about, oh my gosh, like how are they gonna pay next month's bill? And are they able to get another job? I mean, they, they, they have some, some challenges. And, and all of a sudden, all these other things start happening and I start having this weird guilt because I got something that I thought, uh, somebody had something happen to them that I kind of wanted to have happen to them because they're annoying to me. Um, and then I have to deal with that. Um, what about our wealth? I mean, we're such a wealthy nation, such a wealthy world, and we enjoy our wealth. And, um, you know, compared to a lot of places in the world that aren't that way. And this is only happening uh, to us because we were just lucky to be born here. And that's all there is to it. Um, I was thinking about my dad the other day, how he's got a social security check that comes in that's giving him, you know, not, he's not getting rich off of it, but it's enough money to pay his bills and, and get him some food. And his health care through Medicare is really pretty good. And he doesn't have to pay anything for that, you know? So he, he's living in this country where we're really taking care of him pretty well as he gets older. Um, and just thinking about how few places in the world that really happens. Um, I think about, we've been talking a lot about white supremacy. So if the white supremacy topic really annoys you and jazzes you up, then just focus on that a little bit while I talk. But for me, I, I have only recently become really aware of what's happened in my life as a result of what I look like and not understanding um, what, well, what I look like and what my parents look like and it's years and years and years of stuff going on here. And I have enjoyed the benefits of that um, for most of my life. And um, 
uh, and there's a lot of people that don't get to enjoy that. Um, and so, it's again, it's this idea of while I'm enjoying my wife's supremacy, I'm basically celebrating that someone else doesn't have that. Um, and so, it's a little different in that case. I'm not thinking of a specific person. I'm real, but I, but I am generally uh, thinking of an entire group of people that don't look like me, uh, who don't have the life I have, and. Um, and the key difference being just what we look like. Okay. Um, I also wrote down here uh, another one on the Black Lives Matter. What about getting hired for a job when there was a black person who might have been better or even just equal to your skill set, but maybe they needed the job more? What about being happy whenever there's a wall between you, your culture and another culture? And the only reason that you're on one side of the wall is that you were born there, and the only reason the other person's on the other side of the wall is they were born on the other side. And yet, because of that separation, you are seeing dramatically different types of lives. Something that just kills me is, what about me making statements like, pull yourself up with your bootstraps, and not actually looking down to see if the person even owns a set of boots? Um, Another one for me is, um, and this one is dark. I think this is really, really dark, but it pops up in our lives a lot, is ghosting. Um, a number of times in my life, I've had situations where somebody was really bothering me, and what I would say to myself is, I, I just need some, I just need to separate a little bit. Okay, I just need some distance. That's an okay thing, but I took it further than that. I, I, because when you ghost someone, and if you've not heard that term before, that basically means you treat them like they don't exist. You just, like, it's almost like your relationship and theirs just at the drop of a hat no longer exists. You don't call them. You don't acknowledge them. You don't, you don't have anything to do with them. Um, and it is a, a weapon. I did some reading recently about how, um, how, how terrible that feels when you're, when you're the one being ghosted because it's it's such a dark thing to have someone just walk away from you. Um, and uh, I've never done it in my life maliciously with, with that kind of intent. Um, but when you talk about um, hidden intent, um, things that kind of happen in the secret, kind of those deep, dark things, ghosting is a bad one. Okay. Um, anything else pop up in your mind about... Ways that these types of things pop up, come up in your lives. Okay. So now I want to get into some biblical examples. Um, I wonder, I really wonder about the Egyptians. They are in slavery. I'm sorry, about the Hebrews. They're in slavery to the Egyptians. And after a series of plagues, can't get things worked out. And finally, the Egyptians' firstborn sons, I think it was just the sons, wasn't it? It wasn't the daughters, I don't believe. I don't think it was the firstborn children. I think it was just firstborn sons, I believe. Anyways, we'll, we'll say firstborn. Anyways, the Egyptians' firstborn um, children were died. Um, but the Hebrew firstborn children were spared. Um, what do you think? Do you think any of the Hebrews celebrated 
not just that their children were saved, but that the Egyptian children died. You know, I, we don't know. I, I don't think there's anything written about it. But when you look at how we have reacted as a country about the atomic bomb or Osama bin Laden or um, a variety of other attacks where we have, or our military has gone and attacked someone, and sometimes there's some pretty serious celebration um, afterwards, you have to wonder if uh, the Hebrew uh, community didn't struggle with that. How many of you have heard the story of Sodom and Gomorrah preached in a celebratory fashion, kind of like, this is a great example of what happens when you don't follow God kind of a thing. And it's not this gut-wrenching, oh my goodness, you know, this whole community was wiped out, how terrible. It's this, yes, this whole God-forsaken community was wiped out the way it should be. Did you ever hear that? Yeah. Going back to the uh, Hebrews, just after they finally did escape as a result of that 10th plague and the firstborn dying, um, they're crossing the Red Sea. They make it through the Red Sea. They're looking behind them. The Egyptians are coming also through the, red, through the, the dry uh, path through the Red Sea, however that happened. Um, we'll just go with it for right now. And, um, and then uh, God ceases holding back that water and that whole crew, that whole military group uh, dies. I'm struggling to believe the Hebrews were not having one major party. I mean, th there was a little bit of a party afterwards, but it, it wasn't necessarily a party about them dying. It was a party more, I think, about them successfully escaping. Um, but, you know, were they really in anguish about that? I don't know. The struggle. <clears throat> what about Jesus' arrest? Yeah. Yeah, they were pretty doggone happy about that. The people were. Um, uh, Pilate, Pilate was struggling. He wasn't very happy. But I think Pilate's like a lot of us here. I mean, he's sitting there looking at this situation and saying, I'm not real happy with this. I, I, don't, I don't, I'm not sure what the win is here, kind of a thing. And, uh, but there were certainly people in the crowd, based on the stories that we understand, very, very happy about Jesus' arrest. Come on. Now, so I want you guys to give me some Christ examples, some examples where you saw Jesus in his life be really excited when something bad finally happened to someone around him, maybe people that weren't treating him right or something like that. Can you guys come up with something for me? This tastes delicious, by the way. Crickets. I mean, can you, do you get where I'm going with this? It's like, it's hard to even... Like, I started trying to, like, make things up. Like, like, okay, well, we don't have anything written, clearly, where Jesus celebrated when something bad happened. But So I started trying to think about, like, the temple, when he cleared the temple, which is one of the stories that still baffles me. And I just think it's wrong. I don't think it actually happened. Um, <laughs> I think it's an error in the Bible. Um, but, uh, kidding. Um, but, um, but the, uh, um, 
even within that, there's no there's no celebration. There's no happiness. It's just, you know, he, he's getting the job done. Not happy, for sure. It's hard to imagine Jesus getting happy about something bad happening. It's like we somehow can see Jesus so clearly as to what is right and wrong that it's almost just completely obvious to us that that's not something Jesus would do, would be celebrate something bad happening to anyone. But yet somehow we do it. And we're kind of okay with it. At least, I, I mean, I said earlier about hidden intent. It is, it is, it's so deep in me that I almost can't imagine not doing it. Does that make sense to you guys? Like, it's such a part of me to be so happy sometimes when something bad happens to somebody I don't like that it's like natural to me that I should expect that I'm going to feel that way and that I'm going to have to fight to not feel that way. And yet Jesus was a human just like me. And I can't even get the vibe. I, can, I was trying to like make up something like, can I think of any scenario in his life where it seems like maybe you could possibly, it's like, I just couldn't get there. I couldn't find anything. There's the, the one thing where, um, it's like Herb's going to ruin this now. Doing thing and all that. And, um, yeah, I, I, I don't remember exactly. But anyway, um, something goes wrong, and I think it's James and John ask if um, they should call fire down. Like they caught him the Gamora thing, because that thought that'd be a good thing. And Jesus says, "You don't know what spirit you're speaking from." Oh. But even Jesus says that whole encounter caught him the Gamora was not really. Oh, I see. Yeah, yeah. yeah. No, that's a great point. Yeah, yeah. I was thinking about um, when. Um, uh, okay, I have completely. I have a blank. There's a big fuzzy blank spot in my brain. The <laughs> disciple that uh, turned Jesus in. Judas. Judas. Man, I couldn't get there. Um, I, <laughs> I uh, um, uh, well, I won't, you know, let's just drop it. Judas. <laughs> anyway. Um, <laughs> Judas, you know, you, you think about Jesus's interaction with Judas, and, you know, it's like, there's nothing in that whole line. He's disappointed in Judas, um, but there's nothing in that whole line that ever makes you think that Jesus is going to get to that point where he's going to be like, yeah, and Judas, you know, you're going to burn as a result of this or anything like that. You know, it's just, you just can't get there, you know, kind of a thing. Anybody else? I always like the, um, I think it's the woman that was, accused of adultery and so she is going to be stoned and so jesus says let those among you who are without sin okay. cast the first stone and i think i'm a, my own reaction when he says that is like yeah let whoever is without sin throw stones and of course no, no one throws a stone but i think that's my own reaction of like that's not jesus's reaction like i don't think jesus was coming from a place yeah you know what i mean yeah the way i might say that I would say with such a high level of cockiness. Well, I would too. You know, <laughs> and, and, and yet, I suspect that's not what he did. Yeah. So yeah. I acknowledge that's my own projection on Jesus of what of how I, I yeah yeah that's with. a great example yeah. All right. Um, 
So let's go to Ecclesiastes, and uh, I want to read to you what stood out to me. Ecclesiastes 12, 14. And let's see if I can find it here. Um, so it says here, well, just before 14, um, it's the end of a, of a previous section there. Um, it says, fear God, do what he tells you to do. I'm going to switch versions because I don't like that term, that, that fear God. I think that's a little confusing. And so we'll read a different version here in a second. But anyways, fear God, do what he tells you, do what he tells you. And that's it. Eventually, God will bring everything that we do out into the open and judge it according to its hidden intent, whether it's good or evil. And I had been thinking about this, and then Jill and I, this was Jill and I's reading last week, so we finished up, this is the last verse in Ecclesiastes, and um, we were finishing this up last week, and, and it just hit me, because I was kind of like, the hidden intent, like, that's it. And notice how it doesn't say judge according to its intent and its hidden intent. It just says hidden intent, almost like, like the hidden intent is the real intent. Like that's what's, that's the deal, you know. It's like, what are we, what's underneath the surface? Um, I don't know if you remembered me saying this before, but several years ago, I started becoming very sensitized to, um, situations and people that were manipulating situations where someone will tell you in a situation that oh hey you know we should do x y or z and you realize after a little while that there's actually another thing they're not telling you and that's what they're really after and it doesn't mean it's a bad thing but i i realized that started bothering me a lot because there's a sense of of not being honest with each other. There's a sense of, um, how can I say it? Uh, it's, it's, just, it's just this open, honest truth that sort of gets hidden in the process whenever you do things with an ulterior motive, motive kind of to it. You're not telling everybody why you're doing this because if you told them exactly why you were doing it, they may or may not want to sign up or they might be a little bit annoyed. Um, it's the kind of thing we see in politics all the time. So politicians say something because they actually want something else, but they can't ask for that. So instead, they ask for this, and it's an indirect way to get there. Um, and uh, and so this idea of the hidden intent, um, you know, Osama bin Laden gets killed, and we're all like, oh, Osama bin Laden got killed. But deep down inside, we're like, yeah, Osama bin Laden got killed. You know, it's that kind of thing. It's like... Yeah, the hidden intent's the real one. That that's the one we have to work on. If we just walk around like a politician and we just say the right things and the right words, but we have this deep down inner issue, inner challenge that we're not challenging, then I would argue, you know, that this verse alone can drive that home for you. But I would argue that we're not there. I mean, we're we're just manipulating the system by saying something that's really not even real. Does that make sense? Um, actually, how are we doing on time? Oh, we're great on time. Um, well, let me flip over to the other version just for grins. Let's see what NCV says here. 
Yeah, so I like this part. Instead of saying fear God, NCV says honor God and obey his commands because this is all people must do. And it says God will judge everything, even what is done in secret, the good and the evil. Um, and so definitely a different vibe to, to the language. Um, I, I wanted to point this out because... Um, Growing up, I was taught to literally fear God and be scared of him, and I, and I really don't buy into that anymore, um, but I do think we should certainly honor God, and um, I'm inclined to believe that the uh, interpreters that have gone back and looked at this and think that honoring God is probably a better interpretation of the original uh, writing, I, I, I'm hoping that that's the case, because that makes more sense to me, so that's what I would like to believe, at least, so, okay. Let's get back here. All right. So to wrap things up here, it's going to be a nice short day. Um, I think we've got to really challenge ourselves to avoid these secret plans, to avoid these things where we do things. And so I've been thinking a lot about how I interact with my family, with my kids. Um, but with my parents, uh, my dad in particular now, he's uh, getting older, and really starting to challenge myself about how do I, how do I be wise to not say things that would hurt someone's feelings or something like that if I'm in that situation. I mean, there are times to just keep your mouth shut um, because it's not going to help to say something. Um, but also, I find myself occasionally being tempted to be like, I don't like something that a family member is doing, and I start trying to manipulate a, well, I'm going to suggest that we do this that I think will then help address that. And, you know, it's like I've got this plan, but I don't want to bring it up. And just thinking more about avoiding secret plans in all situations, if I can, in work, in home, um, how can I ensure that the deep depths of my heart are Christ-centered and that that's what I'm sharing with people as opposed to sharing some other high-level plan that I think someone can digest and having some secretive plan uh, that I'm keeping hidden. Um, sneaky. Sneaky things in general are just not good. They're fun. Um, you know, sometimes I think it's fun to be sneaky, um, but it's generally not good. Um, as I said a second ago, there are times to keep your mouth shut. So the third one there, reserve your justified secrets. Reserve those for really, really special situations. I have had times, uh, I had a work situation one time where we were having some real struggles and a real major conflict at work between different employees. And it became the norm that one group was holding massive secretive information from the other group. I mean, it was, you know, it was almost like a battle, like a war. And one group would go off and they would talk in their group and then they would decide what they really think and then what would they say and then they would come out and actually say, you know, something to the other group, but they didn't tell them everything. If they told them everything would be a problem. And then, of course, my feeling was the other group was, was doing something very similar. They would go off and they would have their meeting and they would come out and we're kind of wondering like, what did they actually say in their meeting versus what did they actually tell us? And just thinking about the, the secretive type of uh, interaction and how 
dangerous that is. You know, it's like, well, what does that lead to? Well, that, that leads to war. I mean, that that's what happens ultimately in that situation. And um, and just really thinking through that, we just it's difficult to see Jesus doing that at any point. Um, and I'm not saying we don't have clear guidance to say you can never do that. Um, but you certainly want to recognize how dangerous it is and reserve that for very special situations. Don't let it become our status quo that, oh, hey, well, with that family member, I just always tell them X, Y, and Z, which isn't even the truth, but I, you know, I just don't want to go into it with them. Okay, be very, very careful, I think. At least I, that's where I want to go. Um, and, of course, the bottom one there, um, we, we bring the full circle around the foundation or to focus on the foundation Christian foundation of love. I think the more I think about um, going back to the beginning, you hear. So, so let, let's assume that that um, somebody did not particularly is not particularly fond of our president, and they and you hear that he has contracted COVID nineteen, um, and being able to get yourself to the point where you genuinely just stop in your tracks and you're like, I am praying passionately for this person, just like I would pray for any human because it's a terrible thing. It's life-threatening, you know, and, and that you get to that point where no matter what other issues you have with the person, you're able to go straight to the Christian foundation of love for that person right away. I believe the more we practice that, because I think it's an exercise, and the more we practice that, the more we work on that, the more we will be blessed for that. The, the, I have to admit there was a point, um, uh, I mean, I'll, I'll just state in front of you that Donald Trump is not my favorite person, or maybe a better way to say it is, he does some things that bother me, um, and, uh, and it causes me a fair amount of grief because of that. And so when I heard that he was sick, um, I really, really did challenge myself. And I spent uh, some time about that. And, and, and it was good. And in fact, in some way, I felt like it knocked down a couple barriers. Um, because all of a sudden, I was able to stop focusing on the parts that I don't like. And I was able to think of him as a human. And, uh, um, and I was able to, I don't know, it, it was like... I felt a slightly more human bond to him. Um, it didn't make me like the things I don't like. You know, that wasn't, that, that you know, and, and just to confirm, there's not a single person in the world that I like everything they do. Um, I dislike all of you, so you can feel good about that. Um, but, uh, but getting past that kind of stuff, it, it really did help me. It, I, I, I remember just feeling kind of like really, good and kind of looking up at God and going, wow, like I, I needed that. I, I needed that kind of readjustment of my thinking a little bit there. So we've got, uh, do we have communion today? Okay, excellent. So we've got communion. I want to stop now. Um, we're going to wrap up at, uh, we're five tills. We're going to wrap up right at 12. And so I want us to just chat for a few minutes before we wrap up. Um, has this made you think about anything? Has this helped you to either challenge yourself or to, to be able to go out this week and do anything differently than you would have otherwise. Um, and feel free to tell me if this is just annoying to you. Um, that's okay, too. Um, just kind of curious. It's just been something on my mind a lot. That's why I wanted to talk about it. So.
going to uh, tell about a, a psychology study. Uh, there was a group of people that were observing another uh, group of people. And the group of people that were doing the observing had these little shock buttons that they could uh, impart uh, a, a shock to these other people for a behavior that they were doing. And it, it was found, I don't know, you know, I don't remember the details exactly, but the tendency was that the people who could administer the shock uh, got a got a, a, a reinforced feeling that they wanted to keep get they wanted to keep shocking and making uncomfortable the people they were observing, and it's very troubling that that was a natural human behavior tendency, but that's something that uh, it just today demonstrates that you know we need to uh, uh, fight this this urge to feel the schadenfreude. Yeah, yeah, no, thank you. I, it, it is a strange thing and it's hard to get your head around why we're, why we do that. Why, why do we, you know, it leads people to fight, literally, you know, it's what causes fights where people will actually hit each other, you know, what drives you to that point? Sometimes overall, you know, sometimes over, the, the umpire calling a strike on your uh, child uh, when you thought it was a ball, <laughs> you know, and next thing you know, there's a fist fight breaks out kind of a thing, you know, what, what causes that to happen? And, uh, and I'm convinced that it is a lack of Christ um, uh, that is driving us down that. So, yeah. So something that I've been trying to practice, I think it, I was motivated the last time you talked about, um, like not avoiding confrontation, but approaching it from a place of love. So this is kind of about focusing on the Christian foundation of love. My personality is if um, if I'm in relationship with a difficult person or if I feel like I've been wronged or slighted somehow, I write that person off. And I, I don't I don't think I ghost them so much, but I don't go out of my way yeah. to build a relationship. It's kind of like ghosting light. Yeah. Right. <laughs> Diet ghosting. So I've actually, <laughs> I've approached people, very specific people in my life, and have, I've had difficult conversations, but I was honest with the way that I felt, and not, I know a lot of you were probably thinking, like, I probably did it in a hateful way, but I came from a, a place of love, because I want to keep those relationships, at least somehow, and I've noticed in my heart that I've just written them off, and I've held resentment towards them, and that's not healthy for me or them, no yeah. one's benefiting. So, I think that's something that all of us could benefit from, is if we if we are harboring ill feelings for whatever reason, I think it's good to kind of examine. I've done a lot of my heart, like I've examined my heart, and I've had, I don't know, it's just powerful to have conversations with people that you don't want to have, but then I realized that once you have them, they go a lot better than I thought, I guess is what I'm trying to say. So if you come at it from a place of love. Right. Yeah, yeah I find it when you stop demonizing somebody and you know, treat them as a human, um, it just knocks a ton of barriers down. You know, it's like, yeah, we're humans that are flawed. That's fine. I'm still a human. And um, it just helps because the lack of, of, of making that concerted effort for me, I, I truly end up demonizing them. I actually, like my head lets myself go someplace with it that 
it's not even real, but it's like it just snowballs to where I can't see any good sometimes. And even though if I would sit down and talk to them, I would realize that, oh, actually, they're quite a pleasant person, you know, <laughs> most of the time, at least, maybe not all the time. What else? Anything else across your mind or you want to share or talk about? It's healthier to let go of the negativity because uh, uh, there's a tremendous amount of of uh, mental energy that you put on yourself, wasted for uh, how negative uh, that you feel. And when you let go of that, it just, uh, it lifts a burden. I was so proud, you, you, uh, proud of a friend of mine. We were having a discussion about the upcoming election because um, there's been so many people I have heard that have said, oh boy, if Biden wins, you know, the world is going to fall apart. And then someone else says, if Trump wins, the world is, I, I don't know, you know, I, I couldn't live here another four years, but, you know, those, these kinds of comments. And that does create this massive amount of stress and anguish. And, and then you think about the night of the election, there's a whole bunch of people that are going to like, borderline give up on the world. Uh, if it doesn't go their way. And the, the answer is both sides can't win. <laughs> One side's going to win. It may not be the night of the election. It may be sometime later before we know for sure. We'll see. Um, but a good friend of mine, uh, Jim, who I just think the world of, and I always really trust his wisdom, you know, we were chatting about it, and he just said, oh, yeah, we'll be fine. He, he, goes, he, he goes, you know, this is what I want to have happen, but he, he's like, you know, you look back historically, and we've had people all over the place. He's like, we'll, we'll get through it. It's, it's fine, you know. And it's just, I heard him saying that, and I just thought, boy, that would be good if a lot of people could get there. So that the night of the, the election, or whenever the results are finally in, that you can deal with and put the, your trust in Christ that, you know, Christ is bigger than this. You know, it's like Christ is bigger than death. You know, I was reading uh, this morning about just the importance of recognizing that you know Christ overcame death. I mean that is so foundational and it's like, well, if he can do that, you know, then how are we getting ourselves all wound up over politics? Uh, you know, in a in a country where where both the people running uh, are saying that they're uh, a Christ follower, it's like, well, regardless of what you think about either one of them, I mean that's their public statement. I mean it can get a lot worse than that. <laughs> and. Um, and so, uh, but it's really hard to get ourselves there. So, anybody else? I've now run past my 12 o'clock time. I always get the feeling that people who think that if one or the other wins, everything's going to fall apart. Christians who feel everything's going to fall apart, they, they feel that way because they actually want the government to do what they themselves as Christians are supposed to do. Yeah, and, and that's the fear. The fear is that if my party's not in charge doing what I want, then I have to take it upon myself to to do that thing. You know that happens in so many in family dynamics. That happens so often when we want a sibling or a parent or a child to do something, and yet it's it's not within our control to make them do that. You know, we we can hope they'll do that. Um, but if we really want something done, we do it, you know, we, we do it ourselves. And, and I'm not saying that that's a good foundation for everything in life, but this expectation that you can't be happy with someone unless they do what you want them to do, it's a dangerous thing. And, but yet we see it all the time, everywhere, and it causes a lot of division. It's hard to be happy 
uh, if all we focus on is our differences. So, anything else? All right, I'm going to pray. I'll just leave this on the screen if you want to look at it for a second. Uh, I'll pray, and uh, then we can have communion, share a short time of communion, and call it a day. God, in this time of um, dealing with our pandemic and just the struggles and the unknowns and uh, all the things we hear and the confusion, God, help us to lean on you. Help us to... Um, put faith as much as we can where it needs to be. Help us as humans to know that we're all created in your image. And ultimately, this world is all about us interacting with each other. Um, and help us to figure out how to trust and how to work together uh, and how to make the best of a, a difficult situation. And then we throw on top of that uh, the election in the United States coming up and all the challenges and uh, God, help us to be the ones that bring peace. Help us be the ones that bring love, uh, your love, into this situation and be able to tell people that even if they're different than us, we, we respect them and love them deeply. And even if we don't get what we want, we will respect the people around us and we'll make the best of the situation and we'll try to love the world around us regardless. Um, and God, we've talked today about hidden intent and just ask that you'll help us to really, really seek that out. Sometimes the, the hidden intent, we don't even, it's hidden from us too. We don't, it's so deep in us that we sometimes we don't even notice it. And uh, we just ask for your, uh, your wisdom to help us seek that out, help us to find those places, those dark places in our heart um, where it is not about Christ, uh, but it's about us and about uh, us getting something that does not matter to you and help us to be able to move beyond that. Um, and God, as we take communion today, uh, let us use that as the, as the ultimate example. Um, you know, Jesus could have had the world. Um, you could argue he did, did have the world. Um, he's God. He, he's the creator. Um, and yet he went through you know, complete agony and uh, death on a cross and people celebrating his death all around him, and people casting lots for his clothes, and you know, just uh, just everything about that that's so bad. Um, and yet he loved all the way through it, and all the way through the resurrection. And even after the resurrection, he wasn't all about, hey, look at this, I won. He just continued his uh, his um, uh, path to loving everyone. And we just, we just ask that you'll help us to never forget that. It's through Christ that we pray. Amen.